0: Um, even more niche courses like thirteen week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com/slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis Podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Dick shares his winding path from George Washington University to investment banking. We learn why he took a few years off in the middle of college, why it took him another three years after graduation to get into investment banking, and why he recently made the jump to leave a lucrative vice president position to jump into the world of Hollywood. Enjoy all right dick thanks so much for joining the wall street oasis podcast
1: yeah yeah thanks for having me on it's awesome
0: so it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio to get started yeah
1: short (laughs) short is a a tall order Uh, (laughs) As as, um, as short as you can make it yeah well it's funny so i i've been reading uh wso for 10 years now, probably actually a little bit more. I started an undergrad, um, graduated in 2010 uh, from George Washington University, uh, which at that time, and I still think is pretty much not really a target school. um, I figured out I wanted to do banking late in the game, Mm -hmm. like junior year, because that's when I took actual banking classes. And uh, so... I didn't have like the traditional like banking internship and it wasn't a target school. Um, So I leaned really heavily on resources like WSO to basically come up to speed um, on the subject. And, uh, you know, I found, I found the site incredibly helpful Um, and even throughout my banking career. So anyway, I, uh, I actually left, I graduated in 2010. I worked in wealth management for a year. Morgan Stanley. And then I jumped to consulting because I knew that I needed something that was um, more analytical to appeal to investment banks. Yeah. Um, but I still had my licenses from my, from my uh, wealth management gig. So I had my seven and 63, which was actually really helpful because after a year in consulting, I, uh, I moved into banking um, at a small boutique firm. I was still, I was in DC where, where George Washington is. And uh, it, that was actually very helpful for them. And I think helped me as a candidate because they knew that I already had my license. So I wasn't going to need to, uh, you know, take the risk of not passing and then not being useful for them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I worked uh, for them for a years a small, basically, equity capital market-focused firm. And uh, after about a year there, um, I had an opportunity uh, through Headhunter to lateral into uh, a larger international bank, uh, headquartered in New York. So I left D.C. Left uh, to go to do banking at the smaller firm. And then when I was in New York, I had the opportunity to interview at the larger place. That was like a full-service investment bank. Mm-hmm. Um, with all products and capabilities. Uh, and I was there for seven years until uh, September of, uh, of 2021, when um, I was in New York and the pandemic hit, and it just turned into a complete gong show. Um, and so at that point, I was basically I had left. I was uh, living remotely in uh, Florida for like seven months. and. Loved it. Uh, Where in Florida? Uh, St. Petersburg. Okay, cool. On the West Coast.
0: Yeah, St. Pete, yep.
1: God's country. And, uh, and so I had a taste of the promised land, uh, and uh, I liked it a lot. came back to New York um, because the place I was living in, I got sold. And I wanted to stay in Florida because I just couldn't deal with uh, the chaos and you know, confusion. Of, of New York, and I proposed it to my, uh, to my boss after bonuses um, to basically continue working remotely uh, from Florida, like i have been doing for the last eight months. And I was basically, that wasn't going to work because of compliance reasons and supervision and stuff like that. So I said, you know what, um, this whole time for the last three years, I'd also been doing um, stand-up comedy in New York. In Florida, and uh, and I got a manager, like a talent manager. Uh, right when the pandemic set in, so I've been auditioning for movies and TV for like a year uh, on the side, and doing stand up, and doing my banking gig. So it was it was a busy That's insane <laughs> years, yeah. Um, and at that point, I was like, you know what? I have an opportunity to, to go at this full throttle. Um, you know, I have the banking skills that I'm never going to lose, but it's really a unique time to, to take a shot at, um, at acting and comedy and always wanted to be an actor. And, uh, and I actually had booked a movie right before, like maybe two months before, uh, before I was talking about leaving. Uh, in June, i was supposed to film in the fall of twenty twenty one. So it almost worked out perfect. It ended up getting delayed because of COVID. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just ride off into the sunset. And um, and that was in September. And the rest is history.
0: Awesome. So let's go back. So a lot to unpack there. Let's go all the way back to undergrad, though. First, or, or like, where did you grow up? Around like uh, Connecticut. I get okay. So, any specific reason, uh, George uh, Washington, you?
1: I actually liked politics and I thought I was gonna gonna be like a poli sci major. Um, yep. And and then I took a poli sci class and it was not fun. Uh, it was like really boring. It was about like you know how legislation gets passed, which is fine and good to know, but wasn't what I wanted to spend you know the rest of my life doing. Um but you know it was in DC and uh and so I actually I actually left after my freshman year. I, I did uh volunteer work for like three years um for my church. Then I came back.
0: Where was that? Where was the volunteer work? In New York. Okay. What did you
1: what did you do? I was close to home. I was doing like promotion and um you know public outreach and stuff like that.
0: So you left college for a year or for three years.
1: Yeah, for like two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. Yeah. And then I came back, and when I came back, it was like the financial crisis. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was I was looking at what was going on in the financial world, and I didn't know anything about finance. No one in my family knew anything about finance. Yeah. Um, I knew people whose families worked in finance, but I personally didn't know anything about finance or money management. Yeah. And. Um, so. I was like fascinated by it because it was in the headlines constantly, you know, during 2008, it was like COVID today. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was like, and I wanted to make money. So I was like, you know what, this seems like a really interesting opportunity. And I had also, uh, while I was volunteering, I worked in like real estate appraisals uh, to make money.
0: Yeah. So you got to make- the volunteer thing, can you just t- tell me, like, you start a year, why leave after your freshman? Year? You just felt like, ah, this isn't for me, I'm not ready. What I didn't really
1: know what I wanted to do.
0: Right, okay. Um, it, was, it was a searching phase for you.
1: Yeah, and I was like... You were 19. Yeah, I was, like, spending all this money, you know, to go to school. Yeah. And it just seemed like a waste, because I was there to do politics, and I was like, I don't really like politics. I don't know what I'm, I really want to study. Right. So I really, like, needed just experience um, yeah. in the world and and I got
0: it I think it's really interesting because I I don't hear a lot of guests say okay I stopped in the middle of undergrad like almost none of the people that have come on here would ever be like hey I'm going to stop undergrad because it's like they have this you know focused mentality so it's interesting that you felt like the confidence to do that it's kind of similar to kind of the jump you made recently but yeah
1: I was gonna say you probably would have left banking either
0: (laughs) yeah exactly So yeah, tell me a little bit about just like the mentality around like, okay, I don't know what I want. So I'm just going to stop and I'm going to go, was it, Hey, I'm just gonna go live at home and get a couple of side jobs. Like, I'm just going to try to get some work experience. Tell me about that thought process. No,
1: I, I lived, I lived in New York. I lived at home for a couple months and then I moved to New York, uh, and some roommates.
0: It's like, how, yeah, how are you paying rent in New York?
1: So I was doing, I was working, um, I was working in real estate appraisal for a little while on yeah. the side. And then I was working um, and then I like was living with my girlfriend's family, so I didn't have to pay rent. Mm-hmm. But I figured I just figured it out. I just found yeah. ways to basically you know, pay whatever I needed to pay. And it was interesting because I was I was working an appraisal firm when like the real estate market was collapsing. Yeah, you know, in front of my so I had like basically a ringside seat to what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was eye opening. And like I said, I didn't know anything about what was happening. All I did was read you know, news articles and see what was going on at work.
0: This is like 2009 ish around time.
1: 2008. Eight, nine. Uh, yeah. um 2007 to
0: 2008. Okay.
1: And then, uh, so then I, I went back. I was in school fall of 08 when okay. Lehman Brothers was crashing. I was taking. You know, economics classes basically, and it was like I was learning from people because I was in DC. Um, I was learning from people who were like on the board of the Fed and worked with Tim Geithner. Yeah, uh, so I had this amazing proximity to. Yeah, what was going on? Yeah, like my 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 intermediate economics professor was Tim Geithner's good friend.
0: It's amazing. Like quantitative ease, from receipt to quantitative, quantitative ease and Q. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was fascinating. And I was like completely captivated, Like cool. I, I just, I could, I ate it up. I was, um, you know, because I could, I could apply it. I could, you, I could like take what I was learning and apply it exactly to what was going on. I still didn't really know what I wanted to do mm-hmm. in finance. I didn't know what you could do. Right. Um, I just wanted to understand what was going on, basically, and also I wanted to learn like how to manage money because I didn't know anything about managing money. Nobody in my family did, and you know it's an important subject. They don't really teach it to you in school.
0: What do your parents do, if you don't mind me asking?
1: My dad's in advertising. My mom is an artist. Yeah, so there you go. So yeah. Yeah. And no one, you know, no one in in prior generations knew anything about money. Yeah. So um, it was basically a situation where like. You know, I, I was like, you know, sort of a, a baptism by fire kind of thing. You know, I was reading in the headlines what was going on in the economy, and then I would like, go take a macro econ class. Yeah, it's cool. About you know QE.
0: Yeah. So you so your that was like, that was I guess your sophomore year, but you, you didn't really learn about banking, or you were late to the game by junior year. You said, Yeah, exactly. You were like, oh, wait, this investment banking thing sounds interesting. My guess is you probably had stumbled around WSO at around that point and were like, oh. Um,
1: I found out about WSO. Um,
0: was it too late after?
1: Like junior year. Yeah. Like second semester junior year.
0: And so then did you try to like get interviews and just couldn't? Yeah. You couldn't do it? I did.
1: And I got actually, I got, um, it was funny. I took I took an intermediate finance class. Uh, over the summer of sophomore year, whatever my between my junior and senior year. Okay. And um and that was like it was basically it was called intermediate finance, but really was it was like investment banking case studies. Yeah. So I learned about like, you know, um recaps, and I learned about um LBOs and takeovers and M A transactions. We actually would look at like we we did case studies on like first data buyout. You know, by KKR and yeah, um, you know, Levered Recap that like series did, which was the parent company of a, um, an outdoor furnishing, yep. uh, chain basically. And I didn't know it was investment banking even at that point. I just knew like, oh, this is really interesting because it tied together all the elements that I've been learning about. You know, corporate finance, um, capital markets, uh, microeconomics, mm-hmm. and it was it was fascinating. And, um, so that was like my favorite class. I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. And that was best But that was, you know, like the summer of my junior year. Right. So during the time when I would have been interning basically when I was learning about this stuff, which is too late to get an internship, obviously. So
0: what did you do coming into senior year?
1: Uh, I just, I just basically, I, I was in the, I think I joined the finance club, like senior year or something like that, or
0: like, So I was, I was basically like, did you drop your resume though? Did you know what to, how to network or do any of that stuff? Or did you just, not
1: really, uh, we were lucky. We had, um, someone who was a former Lehman Brothers VP got actually he was at city. I think one of the two, uh, he'd gotten laid off in the crisis and this was still like 2009. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't a lot of hiring going on to begin with because Wall Street was still like, yeah. Recovery.
0: Survival mode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, but I did have an internship actually at an asset management firm uh my junior, my junior summer, going into senior year, but it wasn't banking. Yeah. So I had like, and I the prior year I had or the prior summer I had interned at a consulting firm, economic consulting, and I was working on antitrust cases for the Intel merger or the Intel acquisition of McAfee. Oh, cool. So I had like relevant experience and I had done actually basically M&A modeling and uh, for my asset management firm, interestingly enough. So this all kind of came together without really my knowing it. Um, so I, I basically had enough to, to be like a credible candidate for banking, even though I hadn't done a banking internship. Yeah. Um, and if it had been a better recruiting year, you know who knows? I might, like, if it had been now, I probably would have gotten a job.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they did you? Did you? Uh, so did you end up getting any interviews or applying or just? A- I did. I got. I got like two interviews
1: um, at uh, Steeful and then TD Bank. Mm-hmm. Steeful, I didn't get it because I got a question wrong on like how you would allocate uh, your portfolio, like your investment portfolio in a recession. And I was like, yeah, I'd buy like bank stocks or something. And they were like, you think banks would do well in a recession? I was like, maybe. And then TV, I didn't get it because I didn't really understand what like wholesale banking was. And I didn't really even understand entirely what like investment banking was. Yeah. So I was like, I was in like a super day.
0: Yeah.
1: At the, at the office and they kept like, I just, I kept going back and forth. I was like literally learning in this interview what wholesale bank was because I didn't know. Yeah. And you know, people coming into those 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 situations are a lot more polished. Um, so anyway, I
0: didn't get out of those jobs. You don't get it, but then so then how do you land? You end up with the uh, it was a more, the Morgan Stanley job, right? The one- it was
1: Morgan Stanley, and I got that through um, through uh, our job board at GW. GW the, and, like, were America, those right? interviews
0: were those interviews easier for like uh, the wealth management?
1: Yeah, no? it was it was much easier. Like I was you know, you didn't need to do, you know, four years of finance to, to land that job. Most people didn't. Um, but, you know, it was in the, it was in the industry. Yeah, get, I knew I could get my licenses and it was relevant and, you know, I could learn something from, which I did because I, I worked with guys that had been uh, stockbrokers for 30 years.
0: So do you think that if, if people can't get into banking or they're late like you, do you feel like wealth management is a good kind of step for them? Do you, based looking back?
1: I don't know if, you know, it it, just, it it sort of depends. Like, obviously, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, and I, I think actually that's the power of, of WSO is, you know, you, you can learn from people like me. You know, like I I would read, you know, all kinds of backgrounds. Yeah. People, and like my background was like the le- one of the least likely. Like, if you if you read my, my resume on paper, you'd be like, this guy would never have a shot at, you know front office banking
0: yeah well it's interesting because like you know there's a lot of kids in your situation even more nowadays that are you know in quotes late because recruiting late, it's like fe- it's sophomore year now yeah it's crazy yeah i know so you know there's a lot of juniors and seniors who are really sharp kids who are just you know they're left out because they, they didn't you know they didn't know freshman year <laughs> that like investment banking for yeah. calling and so you know i what I always say is like, oh, it's okay. Cause you know, eventually you'll, you can make it there. Um, wealth managers, one angle, would you agree that like valuation or like a transaction advisory services at like a big four would be good?
1: Totally. Totally. I know people who've gone in from, from valuation and people who've gone in from transaction advisory services. i people who've gone in from accounting, from audit, from yeah, you know, uh, consulting obviously is like a, a tried and true path.
0: Yeah. Ideally something related. Ideally something related. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if you if you have like well you know if you really want to do it and you have the willingness to learn what it takes and and you're willing to 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 work at it like you know I was I took weekend seminars on financial modeling I you know networked aggressively with people from my school with people outside my school with you know contacts that you know i knew from from family and friends but were you were
0: you doing that after you were already at morgan stanley kind of once you yeah. were, you knew more you knew more at that point you kind yeah. of, you had your series exams you're like oh okay here's where I am here's where I want to go and so yeah. tell me about that so tell me a little bit about like okay you're doing some boot camps on the weekends for financial modeling you're starting to develop your skills make your resume look a little bit more financy or banking yeah heavy but then you you end up transitioning after a year from Morgan Stanley to more of like a consultant, uh, consulting role. So why? Yeah, exactly. I, because I, knew, I
1: knew I needed to do something.
0: You just needed to jump.
1: I knew I needed to do something more analytical uh, because, because wealth management really wasn't, I wasn't doing anything that was like similar to, to investment banking. You know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing really much in Excel. I wasn't doing that much um, analysis really. Like I wasn't even like picking stocks. I was like, basically like, helping people like manage their you know wealth management account or whatever. Right. Um so so I needed some and I I, I had the skills because I'd studied, you know, I I'd done these classes and I'd done boot camps and stuff like that. So I was like I knew I could do it. I liked Excel a lot. Um yeah I really enjoyed um the financial modeling stuff that I did. And um interestingly enough the the coach of the boot camp that I did this like two day weekend boot camp. Uh, ended up recommending me to one of his clients because he, you know, he was uh, similar to probably, I'm sure your clients at at WSO for your trainings. He was like, Hey, this guy's really good. I know you're looking for people. You know, you should talk. And that's how I got my banking job,
0: actually. Um, But I just, I Sorry, go ahead. That's amazing. So he like saw you were like a wizard in Excel, like not touching your mouse. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I was, and I was, I was asking tons of questions. He could tell I was really fired up and I I loved what I was learning about. And I did, I loved corporate finance. I I was like totally gung-ho because I was like, okay, this is how you run a business. This is how you manage a company. This is how you read a company. Like I didn't know. The biggest thing I wanted to learn coming into school was like, how do you even know what a company's finances mean, you know, I'd, I'd heard all these terms, you know, financial statements, income statements, balance, what does that all mean? Yeah. And, and I was like, it was so cool because you could actually learn it. You could know what it was and you could have like definitive answers. And I liked
0: that. Um, so you you kind of, you ended up getting your job out of a instructor from a bootcamp. Yeah. So you, he comes up to you and says, Hey, you know, I know these guys at, you know, this b- boutique bank.
1: You know, I kept, I just kept in touch with him afterwards and we hung out, you know, when he was in town and we yep. like, you know, just, and he's a great guy. Um, uh, his name's Neil Kumar. He's awesome. Shout out if he, if he watches this, but um, you know, he, he, just, one of these really genuinely great people. Yeah, uh, And we're still, I talked to him like three weeks ago. We're still in awesome. touch. Uh, he's a great guy. He's an entrepreneur. He's like a total gun getter. Um, and you know, it's, what, what I've learned later on in my career, and this applies to, to early in their career, I just didn't know it at the time, was, um, you know, the people, you know, business is done through people. It's not through, done through machines. It's not done through computers. And it's not done through phones. It's done through people. It's done through people that you uh, create relationships with in any business. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but what I was doing was selling myself. Um, and, you know, and he just saw how eager I was and how you know, determined um, I was to, to, to do this job. And so he helped me. But I had to do a lot of other steps. You know, before, I had to make myself credible. I had to basically create a candidacy for nothing.
0: Yeah. Um, I
1: was lucky that I had a finance background in college because that's, you know, that helps. It helps you learn all these concepts because don't, you have to do them on your own. It's much harder. And, and there are people who, of course, do do that. And they're yeah. just brilliant you know, and they just figure it out. Uh, but I was lucky that I had that, that background and that really helped. So anyway, so then I went into consulting I was, I was consulting for basically banks, regional banks. Um, the company was in D.C. So we'd consult all these banks all over the country and I would travel to them and I would help them create banking products. I would help them with M&A analysis. I'd help them with integration. Hmm. Uh, and it was really good. And the, the firm that I ended up basically labeling to for banking uh had a really strong fig practice got it and so i was great for them because i had my licenses and i had experience in banking and i'd done and they were so like perfect because fig as you know is very very like um it's niche yeah ex- exactly it's what you would call like um uh, God, what is
0: the term for it? Specialized or
1: abstract, yeah, specialized, exactly. And,
0: and to explain to the listeners that don't know, financial institutions group financial institutions, their financials are very different from a normal firm. So, you know, your revenue is, you know, not typical revenues, oftentimes is your interest and in your <laughs> all the stuff. The ways banks and financial institutions make money is very different from a typical, you know, widget maker. Um, yeah, so you know, no EBITDA. No EBITDA. Yeah. So in terms of um, the skills you learned, at, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. So you were able to kind of do the consultancy for almost a year and a half, travel around, make a good impression. Uh, I assume that there was a pay jump from uh, wealth management at Morgan Stanley to that consultancy, or was it still relative like 60, I'm guessing like 60-ish base, 50, 50-ish base? Are you
1: talking about like the, the salary?
0: Yeah, like wealth management to you know, wealth management it was a little
1: higher, not not that much. Yeah, uh, okay 60 or 70, I think at that time. Yeah. Who knows what it is now? Everything's so
0: and then the jump to banking, was it a big pay raise, at least on the bonus side? No, it wasn't. This this
1: bank paid terribly. They actually <laughs> lost tons, tons, and tons of analysts. My entire analyst class
0: quit within a year. Oh my gosh. Okay, so they were paying. It wasn't a pay jump at all. It was like flat.
1: No, no. It, yeah. It was like a lateral. It was a lateral move in every sense. Uh, they then raised the pay the year that I left because everyone quit.
0: Everyone was everyone was leaving. Okay. Yeah. But you were there. You were getting. You were doing mostly fig work, but I see here you're doing some M and A and capital raise. I was doing
1: mostly fig, but I also did. Uh, they the so I, I moved to New York. Yeah. I knew that was important because I knew that uh, that's where the majority of
0: the land of opportunities
1: were. Yeah. Um, so if I want, really, if I wanted to be in finance, I had to be in New York. Yeah, I knew that. Um, so that was great. And the fig practice was a lot in New York. And, um, so I basically, I moved there. I was doing mostly fig, but also real estate and energy, interestingly enough. And I learned, uh, the, the real estate thing came in handy later on because now I, now I invest mostly or actually. I invest entirely in real estate. Um, So that helped a ton. The energy stuff was useful because I, I could figure out what was going on in like 2015. Yeah. uh, When, you know, oil uh, fell out of bed. And then, you know, the fig stuff was useful because um, later on I would work on, I moved into financial sponsors at the next firm. Yeah. Which everyone confuses with fig. Yeah. Yeah. and still recruiters hit me up to do FIG.
0: <laughs> Eight years later. That's hilarious. Really? They don't know if financial sponsors is different? No, they don't. They have no idea. It's so
1: funny. I would, yeah, I would for listeners, financial that.
0: sponsors, it's more like, Lev, uh, more like the the group, right? It's
1: private equity, basically.
0: Private, private equity. Private equity,
1: family offices, hedge funds. But anyone that does love with buyouts, because what you're doing is yeah. essentially 90, 90% of your job is arranging debt. For right. LBOs, and the other ten percent is like recapitalizations for leverage companies, yeah. um, add-on acquisitions, um, exits, things like that. Got it. So you're, you're working with private equity companies essentially like twenty four hours a day.
0: Yeah, I mean that literally. Um, so anyway, <laughs> that was really helpful because when well, I wait was a there, let's, let's back up. So you're at this boutique, not paying you a lot. And was yeah. that what kind of pushed you to kind of look for a lateral move to a bigger bank? It
1: wasn't really the money. It was mostly, uh, it was mostly the experience. I didn't really want to do fig forever, yeah, or energy or real estate because they were they were so um, they were like so abstract,
0: yeah. You no, know, like, they're well, they're very, special. They're, they're specialized. Like you could be they're a, all
1: very specialized.
0: You can be like yeah. a specialist in energy or in real estate or in fig. Yeah. It's, rare to, it's weird to be like doing all three. Um,
1: yeah, exactly. And also, um, they didn't really like, they didn't really deal directly with like anybody's lives. Like I wanted to do something that was like a little more tangible, mm-hmm. uh, a little more like relatable for, for like everyday life. Um, you know, consu- like I didn't sponsors to end up being great because I was, I was in like a product and coverage group at the same time. Oh, cool. Um, so I was basically like working, you know, I was doing leverage buyouts in like every possible sector of the economy uh, and industry. And so I got exposure to everything, you know, real estate, gaming, um, consumer, healthcare, uh, fig even, um, mm-hmm building products, industrials, chemicals, I mean, you name it. You, you, you learn a lot about all these different things. Um, so anyway, so, so the, the fig thing actually came in handy because everyone is like, fig is so much harder than all the other banking practices that like, if you can do fig, people assume you can do anything and you pretty much can. Yeah. Um, and I had done all this modeling and, and coursework in college. So I, you know, I knew that I could do that. And I knew, you know, how to like, model, a regular, you know, EBITDA
0: company. So you, you, you went from like wealth management, you know, an, an associate to whatever, an analyst, consulting analyst to a investment banking analyst. You're there. You're yeah. already three years out of college. Yeah. And you took the three years off in the middle. Right. Yeah. So how, how old are you at this point as an analyst? You're 20, you were 20. I think yeah. I was 25. Oh, okay. You weren't that When old. I came in. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I um, did college in. Th- I did college in three years. You did college in three years, so that, yeah, okay. That's why you it saved you a year. So yeah, you kind of lateral again as an a, as an analyst to this larger bank. You finally get the big pay raise. Yeah. And For me, the, it was
1: big pay raise. You include <laughs> the people, bonus. Most yeah. people in the street. <laughs> For me, it was like.
0: <laughs> so you're you're kind of starting there, and they're starting off as like a first year analyst again. Yeah. Yeah. So it took a year back. Yep. So I ended up doing four
1: years as an analyst.
0: It's a lot. On top of the consulting thing that I did, which I was an analyst, So I was like an analyst for five years. That's a that, tell me about that. Like, do you feel like um, it was hardcore? Because um, you're always I will tell you that you're just getting I could, shit on like nonstop. Like you're always yeah. Like,
1: I was so used to it at that point that it it was like it it just didn't even matter. And honestly, I loved what I was doing.
0: Yeah. Well, that's huge.
1: Especially in sponsors. Sponsors, like, I just loved. I was yeah. like in in heaven because I was doing LBOs. I really liked LBOs. I wanted to do it because when I was in college, I was learning about um,
0: the KKR buyout. Yeah, and I was like,
1: and I was reading, I was reading every book I could get my hands on. I read House of Morgan. I read uh, Liar's Poker, of course. I read Barbarians of the
0: Gate.
1: I read Predator's Ball. I read When Genius Failed. I re- read... Uh, uh, the Big Short. Um, and I was like, this is the way you transform American industry, which is what they did in the 80s to a, to a large extent. Yeah. I would later learn that that's really not how it works uh, today. But I had this sort of idealistic dream that like, OK, these are enterprising. Basically. Um, Investors that can reshape uh, ossified companies and therefore industries. You know they could shake up these like.
0: And you don't believe that. You don't believe that today.
1: I don't think that's the primary motive today. I don't. I'm not sure it was the primary motive then. I mean, the primary motive has always been to make money.
0: Right. You mean like back then they were like they were really moving industry like it was it was dramatic because
1: nothing had nothing like that had existed it wasn't it wasn't institutionalized at that point right. it was a very novel concept you know right. no one knew really what NBL was and the people who were doing them weren't like these like you know veterans of Private equity. They were like basically investment bankers and industry professionals. The funny thing like, is,
0: people have been doing LBOs, real estate investment, since the sixties. Yeah, like a yeah. long time. I mean, that's what the that's what the you know, the mortgage and the flipping and the you know it's you just keep rolling your capital and you get as much yeah as much from bank. But it wasn't
1: that you know like when when like Kravis and you know Schwartzman and Forstmann Little and all these guys were doing it. it still wasn't institutionalized. It was called, sure. it wasn't even called a, it was called bootstrapping. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then, and then, you know, Drexel Burnham and Mike Milken and all those guys came in and it obviously took off. But when I was reading about it, you know, you'd get guys like, um, Steve Wynn, you know, who couldn't get money from anybody to basically build his empire and they financed him and they backed him and he created this amazing, you know, empire. And then he, you know, molested a bunch of massage therapists later on, but for a while he had a pretty good thing going, um, you know, or, or, uh, what was it, RGR Nabisco, you know, they took that over and they, they, they did a lot of things to it. And there was, there was this sort of energy to it, right? You're infusing these companies with capital and with new management and energy. And the guys who were doing it were also running the, the businesses. And you had these, um, you know, these, these incredibly sort of intriguing uh, auctions going on, you know, where they were like these massive, massive companies were being shaken up. Chrysler, right? With uh, Cerberus, great example um ended in tears but was was another you know another another way that they were able to take i mean who would lbo an auto company right now today it's like unthinkable but they did it yeah so so there was this like this really odd enterprising spirit that i was gravitating toward um and i was just in there doing deal after deal after deal i was one of three analysts uh at the entire bank and financial sponsors now when i left there were about seven so yeah. we were just getting shelled
0: constantly yeah. So tell me and, about uh, like it was great. Yeah, tell me what the progression. So like you're there for the first year, you're immediately like you're obviously an experienced analyst. So they're they're immediately throwing you to, you know, in the deep. Yeah, end. they threw me to
1: the wolves, day one.
0: Yeah. And so you're working no training. 80, hundred hour weeks right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I did that. I I did 80, I probably averaged 80 hours a week for the first two years. My third year as an analyst there. I was, I I throttled it back to like 75 <laughs> or, or 70 or something. Yeah. Um and it was you know it was cool but
0: but then you got a big you got a big promotion eventually right so you're doing- I did
1: yeah yeah so I I I stayed there I mean I was there for 7 years and I loved it I loved the group I loved the guys that I was working with um love the deals I loved the industry experience that I was learning you know I was just I was surrounded by brilliant people all day long and I learned so much I mean I I think of banking now for people who want to do it, I think of it as business school you get paid for. Yeah, especially if you are in a uh, well really, any, any group product or industry you're going to learn more. I think you will learn about more industries as a product anchor. Um, but it's just you get so much exposure that you would never get really in any other job, maybe consulting.. Um, but it's just it's just such a great way to learn about all these different industries. Now, I was fascinated by it. I was constantly constantly learning and being challenged.
0: And um, you're doing and, really and well. Just, you're you're doing really well, and you're getting probably paid really well. So bonus, you're you're probably making like eighty five base and what, like eighty bonus or something like that, or fifty. The base
1: the base jumped up. The base wasn't a good one started. It 80. jumped up because uh, I, I started there. Oh, you started fourteen. 14. Sorry, so 70, 14.
0: 70 something seventy five or.
1: Yeah. It didn't, it didn't jump up into the nineties until my second year, but yeah, I mean, that was great compared to what I was making before. And, um and I always, I, I never spent a lot of money, so it didn't really matter that much to me. Yeah. But, um, but it was nice to have for the sure.
0: listeners always get mad if I don't ask about what you made. Yeah. <laughs> like, what I did he you know, do? Like, how did he do? I'm like, you know, spend-
1: I, I wanted to make money just like anybody else. gets.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, you know, people hear 80 hours a week and they're like, oh yeah, that's hard, but I could do it. But then when they actually live it, when you live it, it's totally different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, oh yeah, you can do it. But then like you realize Friday night, like you're called back in the office and you're there all night Yeah, and kind of something planned like to go out. And... Well, I did a I did hundred hours
1: a week for 50.
0: <laughs> so, so eighty was, sorry, you did a hundred hours a week for what? For what? For 50 grand. Yeah. Right, oh, you were getting, out. you were getting work. That was my hard.
1: starting, that was my starting annual salary was 50.
0: And you were getting work more at the previous bank
1: yeah and it worked wow. hard so i always said my my thing was I, i've done worse jobs for less money it was true so <laughs> so yeah so 80 i was yeah i was my my analyst my analyst we got bumped up i think my second or third year to like 90. street now is what at first year 90, like 100 95. no it's
0: like yeah 100 to 120. yeah for first year so, 120 yeah, at the- well,
1: well, yeah, I mean, because uh, they, they have to. I mean, the amount that people are working, it's crazy, and, uh, and their attention, obviously. So anyway, um, I love the deals. I love the group. I love the guys i was working with. I still do. I would have probably stayed in banking, realistically, if I can do it remotely. Uh, I didn't really leave banking. I left New York because it was just too much.
0: You just wanted to get out just because, like, the lockdowns and everything that was going on? Yeah,
1: I mean, people were riding in the streets, and I had to stay in my apartment. You know, twenty-four hours a day, it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, um, and all the stuff that's great about New York wasn't there. You yeah. Know, it was all, yeah, it was all it was all it was all closed. Um,
0: when you had to come back, when what date did you come back to New York? Where you like made came back in
1: February of twenty-one,
0: and so it hadn't quite opened up back yet, right? Yeah, it
1: was still not still not fully open. Yeah, um, and I had basically uh, my my lease. Exp- I was still I still had a lease in New York, but I had a we had a, my family was. At a place in St. Petersburg. So I was staying down there. I wasn't thankfully paying rent down there. So I could hang out in my New York apartment. Yeah. And my lease expired in June. So I, I was the whole time trying to renegotiate my lease because rent had fallen by like crazy amounts. Yeah. At that time in New York. Uh, and you could rent, I was paying probably 40% more than what other use comps were renting for in my in my building, not even across the street. So I was like negotiating with my landlord. Furiously for like five months. They wouldn't re- renegotiate. Worked out well for them because I'm sure they probably got the same rent when I left. But anyway, I'm like, I'm paying all this rent. It doesn't make any sense. What was well, well, your rent, rent? Like
0: three grand a month.
1: No, I I was I figured out uh I had a I it was smart because I got a rent controlled apartment when I wasn't making that much money. Oh wow. So I had a rent controlled apartment for like six years uh and so i was paying about
0: 25
1: and where was that i think in uh lincoln square oh okay in nice. studio studio but like no amenities not, not a great building i was just i was paying for
0: whatever i lived right near there i uh i lived at uh 50 55th and 8th
1: oh yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, four, floor, okay. four floor walk up or whatever oh really <laughs> they called it a one-bedroom but it was like you know closet bedroom and uh and that yeah, was my, getting-
1: Mine was good because I had an elevator. So I, I was like living in the lap of luxury. Um, but yeah, I was, I was and I, I worked in Hell's Kitchen. So I used to, I probably walked by your apartment like a thousand times. Yeah. Uh, but it was great because I was two subway stops, you know, from work. And when you're working that much, you know, that really helps. Yeah. So anyway, um, but no, I liked I liked the deals. I liked the guys I work with on that. I was working a lot. When did
0: you get the promo to VP? Like what happened after? So a couple of years. Like uh, two- that
1: was in. That was in 2020 in May.
0: And so when were you an associate?
1: I was an associate for, uh, for two years from, from in
0: 18 and 19. Oh, 18 and 19.
1: Okay, got it. Yeah. So I was an from 14 to 17. And then that's
0: pretty fast to get promoted to then, from associate to BP, right? Two years is like pretty fast, right?
1: I, I don't even know anymore. It I thought it was like three fast. to five
0: years or something.
1: I think it depends. You know, the banks are different now now it's probably that now that would be probably slow because people people doing analysts for two years and associate for two years. Yeah. Because yeah. the retention
0: is, they just have to like give the, they have to give the VP title fast. Yeah.
1: Cause people just won't stick around. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um,
1: and, I uh, feel
0: like, like it's, it's moves. The pendulum's moved too far away from like the retention. I, I almost like argue like people are for still- some people it has,
1: you know, the thing is it, it really shouldn't be about time. It should be about capability just like anything else. I mean, yeah. There's no, a person being in a certain job for a certain amount of time doesn't necessarily be good. It, it increases the odds, but it, they never become 100. Um, I don't think it's swung too much. I think it should, I think it should be an option for two years. I think you should basically be able to fast track someone after two years to to VP. Like two years analyst, you get the option to go to the, to associate, two years associate, you get the option to go to VP. Um, but, uh, you know,
0: so by the time you're a VP, you're clearing really good money. Are you like you're not spending? Yeah, it's a lot. pretty good. You're not spending a lot, so you're are you saving a lot and in investing? Yeah. Let's talk about yeah. like. Do you mind talking about like you don't have to say what you have and your net worth or anything, but like can you talk about sure. like you're obviously rent control apartment. You're not spending a ton. You're working a ton. So right. how are you? You know, throughout these years, how are you thinking about deploying some of that capital to get a return on it?
1: I have no idea. I mean, I was I was in the stock market uh, in and out. I was always skeptical of the Fed and tightening. Uh, and because I had learned a lot about, um, I didn't. I, I knew I studied a lot of economics outside of, I guess, what you would call like conventional economics. Like I looked at.
0: Um, so you were really nervous about like the Fed suddenly tightening, and everything. I just knew that
1: they could never do it. I knew that I knew it never worked. So why wouldn't anytime, you put your
0: money in the market? Then? Anytime
1: they tightened, I knew that there was going to be a recession because there always has been, right? Every yeah. Everyone, yeah, yeah. Throughout history, they've they've never gotten it right because they can't get it right because they they can't control it that closely. All you yeah. can do is manipulate interest rates and the discount rate and stuff like that. So I, I had I had the sort of like the conventional whatever um, education. And then I had the sort of um, unconventional or orthodox education of looking at like what you know different people from like the Hegel school of economics, you know, would say, or right? Or the Austrian school. Um, and I looked at it from a lot of different viewpoints, but I knew that I knew that the Fed had never really gotten it right ever in its history, and I knew this time wouldn't be different, no matter how much anyone said, because they always said that. So I, I basically, I, I, I speculated in the market um, in and out, uh, but it was the only thing I had available to me because I wasn't like accredited. I couldn't really invest in alternative uh, any in alternative uh, vehicles. Yeah. Um. But uh. So I would I would go in and out. When when I thought things were gonna go well, when I thought
0: how did that work out? I mean it was pretty crazy bull. Worked bull.
1: Out great. I mean, look, I was investing in a secular bull market, so yeah. I, the odds are in my favor, but I didn't I never really caught any downdrafts in the market because I always got out beforehand. So like I went I got out of the stock market in like maybe summer twenty twenty, something like that. I I I'm not gonna give you my whole my whole portfolio history because it's boring,
0: but um but tell me about like real estate too. Like when did you start doing that? And and tell me a little bit about like how I didn't start
1: doing that until, until summer 2020. So I got out of stocks. Uh I I I thought I thought code was gonna be done sooner than it was. So I, I was basically in mostly cash. No, I was yeah. I was in cash prior to COVID. When COVID hit, I bought the dip. I bought it a little early, so my returns weren't as good. Mm-hmm. And then I sold when I got to a threshold that I thought made sense. It was like 20 twenty-ish. No. Mid, mid, mid-teens returns, basically, was where I was like comfortable. And I was like, all right. I made my money. I got out. But I didn't like where things were going. I didn't like all of the um, easing that was going on. I didn't like the stimulus that was going on. I Figured there was a good chance there was inflation, so I didn't like bonds. And I was, I had actually, interestingly enough, done some like just real estate classes online um, during that summer, during the summer of 2020, because it was interesting to me. What are you doing classes
0: online while working as a VP in banking?
1: Yeah, <laughs> you're insane. I just never, I don't know, I just, I'm restless. Did uh, you,
0: you don't have family? I don't have family, no, okay, so I can do that,
1: yeah. Um because I would have been divorced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been divorced before that. Working of the outside. Sorry,
0: company. my 70-hour work week's done, but it's going to take a couple hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, honey. I fun with the kids. i go like, oh, learn about real estate investing. Um, so anyway, yeah. So I, I learned about it And what I, what I thought was really interesting was you could get private equity returns without private equity risk. You weren't going to get the, the top tier private equity returns. You weren't going to get 80% IRRs, yeah. like you know, Toma Bravo is making or some of these like software um,
0: yeah.
1: funds. But you will get mid-teens to low 20s, maybe higher returns without the downside. Um, and when I, the reason I knew that real estate was where it was at was because no one ever told me about it. And the plebes are never, ever, ever told. But this is what... This is what the billionaires is Calling yourself a,
0: the, the plebe, a plebe.
1: I was a plebe, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I I was a finance major. I had a 4.0 in my major. I you know, I knew portfolio theory.
0: Um, but you feel like that even in 06. I mean, if you invested in real estate in 06, you probably I mean, there's definitely pockets that people got burned in real estate. You're saying not not
1: commercial multifamily though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you probably would have some if
0: you overlevered Conversely, it. Personally, yeah, right. Like, yeah, if you overlevered, right. Okay.
1: But I, I'm talking about multifamily, so I'm not not uh, not like office, but like huge, like 300-unit apartment buildings.
0: You don't think that could I mean, that could go through a bubble, or that's in a bubble, or anything like that? You aren't, aren't no?
1: Operating. You can be, because because it never. First of all, it's a liquid, so you don't have the, the downdraft. You know, people people can't get out in the, in a day or a week. Second, uh, it never really experiences that much depreciation. Um, It usually will drop, you know, maybe ten. I mean, I think the most is like fifteen percent, but that's like that's like that's like nineteen eighty savings and loan crisis, like two thousand eight crisis. But people always have to have a place to live, and in a recession, it's counter cyclical because people will often trade down to apartments when they have to if they can't pay their mortgage they're underwater if they get kicked out they get evicted they get foreclosed whatever so you have a lot of downside protection um and
0: you can so leverage how are you how are you getting that exposure are you buying up with partners like multi- private
1: equity private equity syndicates
0: okay so tell me i'm an accredited, I'm
1: an accredited you, investor now so i can i can now do private equity but when i was you know plead, i couldn't i didn't know about it either but how did Sorry. you
0: how did you get in touch with these people are just friends bankers for other bankers no
1: i uh how did i do it i was reading a I was reading a book uh, by a guy who does real estate. Um, he's a guy I ended up investing with. Um, his name is Grant Cardone. And he does like basically these like huge, um, he's almost like crowdfunding. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's, but it's, but it's for accredited investors. So it's, it's private equity, but you, it didn't have the minimums that um,
0: Large major
1: funnel. institutional private equity fund real estate private equity funds would have because I didn't have that much money. Yeah. I had enough to be accredited, but I didn't have enough to like
0: you can't really you write know, a million bucks work with
1: work for you know Blackstone, right? right. Or like a, a, a big brand um, real estate PE fund. Mm-hmm. So so I just messed with him and I I over time I invested in like four funds and I put every dollar that almost every dollar that I had. Um, because it was just the safest investment. It had better than market returns. Yeah. Uh, because you can also lever it. And I knew, so because I'd been doing LBOs for so long, I knew how to lever stuff. And so I knew the profiles of, um, of the buildings that he was buying. And I'd also done real estate. i so I knew how to calculate NOI's, And so I, I could read the models mm-hmm. that, uh, that they were underwriting. And you know when you're coming off of LBOs, and we were levering I mean, we leveraging stuff like ten times even yeah, because we're doing like tech and software companies, crazy, yeah. So like the leverage profile was conservative compared to what I was used to see. So I was like, this is perfect. Uh, and obviously, you can you know you can go higher on real estate uh, depending yeah. on the quality of the asset, but you know I don't invest in those because then you're just you're just increasing your risk, but regardless, whatever. So that's, that's where I, I sit today um, because I, did, I don't like the setup for the market. Um, I was pretty, I was, it's funny, I had a, a very bearish uh, kind of uh, tilt because I, I didn't like what the Fed was doing. And I was reading guys like Jeff Gunlack, who's a genius and who I recommend to everyone, because he what he pointed out was like, if you looked at um, uh, basically how much of government spending was going into GDP that basically all the GDP growth was coming from government spending and effectively debt so, so all the you know the great performance uh, of the last ten years or whatever was largely attributed to GDP growth that was funded by debt right so we're kind of sitting on a house of cards, which arguably' it's even worse today, I would say um, so I never liked any I never liked the setup for either the stock market or the bond market. Uh, I couldn't really do private equity because I couldn't really afford the minimum. So this was like the perfect vehicle. it's spoke that really well so
0: far. And I appreciate that. Thanks for explaining. Tell tell me now, like, so the, the big decision happened. You said, I'm not going to be in New York anymore. I'm going back down to Florida. I'm going to do this acting and com- um, comedian thing. So, like, tell me how that's going. And, you know, looking back, you know, and up at it. I mean, you just kind of did it. So tell me like movies booked auditions what what's your day yeah your day like now very different probably from uh six months ago
1: it's so funny it's it's a completely different thing i mean i was i was auditioning i was doing stand-up for three i've been doing it for three years off and on um when i was in new york that was the great thing about being in new york was i had access to all these all these clubs i would just leave work and i would go down i was like i was like the husband and mrs maisel except so i didn't fake the act <laughs>
0: How many, uh, how many shows would you do in a given month? Uh, I
1: would do probably, I would do like open mics a couple times a week. I would usually do like a show every month or two, cool. um, but I, I did nothing but open mics for like probably six months. I, I was, I was writing for six months before that. Mm-hmm. And then I had enough stuff that I felt like I could do it. And then I started doing it and then I realized that I didn't have enough stuff because I only use 25% of what I write. Yeah. Um, and then I did my first uh, open mic, and it was like, none, almost none of my stuff worked. I had this whole grand scheme, right, yeah, that I yeah. rehearsed and practiced, and, and almost none of it worked. And I had the, you know, the, the moment of like complete and utter terror.
0: <laughs> of course, staying yeah. Staying on
1: stage, there's no one else there. Uh, there's not a sound in the room. <laughs> And you can, I mean, you can hear, you can hear people like move a napkin. Yeah. That's how bad you're bombing. (laughs) And, uh, but I, I did, I got enough out of it. So I could, I could, I was like, all right, I think I can figure this out. And I just kept going and I kept doing it and I kept,
0: uh. Yeah. I mean, the good part about that is you're, you're testing material, right? You're testing delivery. You're testing. Yeah.
1: And you really, like, I didn't know it at the time, but like, that's your hardest audience mostly open mics it's mostly other comics and they don't they're not there to listen to you they're there to do their material and yeah. get out yeah uh so there for a long for six months it was really hard and then i started doing shows where like there's people paying to go and that was a totally different experience And i was like oh wow this is like fun <laughs> so yeah. like, you know, the other stuff was fun but it was like brutal. it was like being an analyst because i'm worse <laughs> um, <laughs> And I just kept doing that. And then I ran into this talent manager and I was like, you know, I've always been interested in acting. And so she started sending me out for stuff and I had to, again, learn a whole new industry with that. And I, at that point, it was like the pandemic struck. So all the auditions were now remote. So now I was now doing stuff on my iPhone, you know, taping my own auditions and they were like horrible at first. And then I would learn that. So I had to learn how to, you know, edit those things and, and, and use all these different web platforms and whatever. So it was like this, year-long basically learning curve until uh until this last summer and then i um i auditioned for this uh this movie i ended up getting and that was supposed to film in the fall so it almost worked out perfectly where i could basically yeah, i was gonna like ride off in the sunset for banking and then go like straight to hollywood yeah and then that got delayed and now it looks like it's gonna film hopefully this summer but i think it's gonna be in like sri lanka or something like that yeah for I mean all these different reasons, uh, and then I just I just booked so a, a when western. You
0: book, when you book a movie or book a western, like, and you're a new actor, I assume the economics are not great. But like, do you mind sharing like what it looks like, or you have a talent manager? Part of it like it depends.
1: A, it depends if you're in the union.
0: Or not. Are the you union, in the union? There's a
1: standard. There's it's almost like you're it's almost like a street level right salary. Yeah. Um, there's like a standard that you have to get paid. Right, so are you team. part?
0: You're part of the union. So you? No, I'm not
1: not yet um but you have to build like a certain amount of credits to get in the union right and, um and then go from there it's kind of, i mean it's funny because all these things are couldn't be more different but it's also similar because it's kind of like banking, right like you build your credibility somehow right you like do your your internship and then yep. you do your you know like you have a finance major and then you you know then you do some modeling boot camps. It's like all
0: the, the same. Stuff. It's probably the networking matters and who you know matters. Networking
1: is huge. Yeah. It's totally critical. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, the skills you build, the skills that I built, hustle and get my, you know, Wall Street gig is the same stuff I'm I'm using now. You know, I'm yeah. meeting people, I'm going to to conferences, um, you know, talking to people, calling people, doing Zoom calls. It's like, I'm an analyst all over. It's like I'm a I'm like a college, you know, uh junior all over again, you know, setting up uh coffee meetings and talking okay, where to people. where are you living uh, right now? Uh I'm still in Florida. Florida. Cool. Like 30 minutes from St. Pete, mm-hmm. uh in Clearwater, which is like right on the beach.
0: Yeah, I've been there. Uh, which is
1: amazing because it, the cost of living is like
0: you could last on your bonus for a long time there.
1: You could. Yeah, you really could. I mean I basically retired. I totally went i retired from banking, which was pretty much true. Um I mean, it is a it's a retirement community essentially, so it's not far off.
0: But believe it or not, I partied in Clearwater. Partied in Clearwater with uh, yeah. buddies back in the. I have a friend who's from, oh, okay who's from Tampa, and another friend who yeah. had on who had a house in Clearwater, I think. And so I've been out that way. It's it's uh it's
1: yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's it's like I like pinch myself sometimes waking up there. It's insane. Yeah. And then Tampa has all this like film and TV and stand up and stuff. So it's like up you know it's, it turned out. Um, to be even better than I I anticipated. Um, But, you know, I I mean, God, I'm paying 20% less than I was paying for my studio apartment. and I have a one bedroom, like every minute you can imagine. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, So there's, you know, it's just funny when you, what I've found over this whole sort of journey, and I think it's actually really inspiring for, for your audience. Um, and it's I'm I'm glad to be doing this with you because I learned so much from from WSO and all the amazing people and you know the the conferences that you know that you guys did. I mean, I think we met what ten years ago. Long time at WSOCon at, uh, <laughs> at the
0: at the uh, Penn Hotel. Um, that was a long time ago, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Crazy. I I have a lot more grays to show for it.
1: <laughs> but uh, it was, I mean, that was, it was the same. It just, it's the same pattern over and over again. You, you meet people, you have the idea, you have the intention, you have what you want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. And if
1: you're sold, if you're committed, you can do it. And, you know, whether it's banking, whether it's Hollywood, whether it's, you know, real estate investing, I mean, whatever it is, if you really, I know, I know people who Didn't have my background at all and and made it into banking or or, or like big real estate investors now or doing um, you know whatever whatever thing they wanted to do you know entrepreneurs that have exited companies and done really well Um, you know turned down jobs at McKinsey to do their own you know thing and you know made it happen you know look at you look at what you've created here like you really the the some of the best advice that I got from Wall Street Oasis was there are a lot of ways to make money, and that's true. Mm-hmm. There really are. Um, Wall Street's a great sort of entryway to that. It's a great, obviously, career as well. Um, but you know, the skills that you build there are incredibly valuable, and the, the way the people that you meet there are valuable. Um, but in a lot of ways, I learned as much trying to get the job as I learned on the job, and that's something I think that maybe is not um, touted as, as highly um,
0: for sure. For, no, I for people
1: in, the, in this industry is that, you know, the hustle that you do and look for, for guys that, you know, come from target schools and whatever, you know, they, they had hustle to get into that school. You know what I mean? So I don't think it really changes. Oh, it's still
0: tough to get anywhere. wherever you far. are.
1: Yeah. I mean, getting into, you know, an Ivy League school or a target school is, you know, an enormous hustle on its own. It takes years, right? Building that resume and the extracurriculars and, um, you know, all of the, you know, your scores and everything. So it's like any of this stuff is, requires preparation, thought, and, um, and connections and connections that you build. It's not, you know, who your parents know necessarily. It's, Ways that you find to to meet people, you know, I I I got in through uh, the instructor at you know my boot camp class, right? I'd never heard of anybody doing that. I wasn't expecting to do that, but that's how it happened.
0: So, um, what do you, you think know, about like your your just like entire demeanor and like your your outlook on life now, in terms of like where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself like continuing to grind until you're successful as an actor and a comedian? Like you'll just keep crafting it. Like, are you going to, are you dedicated to do it for the next five years if you need to, before you hit anything or like, Oh, I'll I'll do it.
1: You know, I was, I what's funny. is like, I always wanted to be an actor. I just, I didn't think you could make money. doing it, And I was like, I just, I was like, I need money to survive or whatever. So that's what led me on this, on this, on this sort of path. But, um, uh, but you know, I've always done things that have really excited me um, and I've never really done anything that hasn't excited me for that long. I had done things that haven't excited me, but I usually left after yeah. a while to go do something else. Um, and I think I've, what I've seen in really successful people and I've, you know, I've had, you know, speeches with Dave, you know, Steve Schwartzman and um, tons of incredibly successful, you know, Business people, entrepreneurs, you know Tony James. I mean, all these guys. I've read all I've read all these books, and what I found in all of them, whether it's a musician, whether it's a you know Wall Street executive, whether it's you know an entrepreneur or a billionaire, an artist, an actor, every single one of them just has the passion mm-hmm. before they have anything else. They don't even know how they're going to do it. Most of them have no idea how they're going to do it. Yeah. They just know what they want to do and they figure it out. Mm-hmm. So for a long time I thought you had to have a plan. And it does help to have a plan. But what you have to do and what I found in everything that I've done that's worked is if you just start doing it and you have the intention to do it, most of the time if you really want to do it, you will. Yeah. And it can take years. I mean it took me I mean if you want to count school it took me 6 years to get into banking. Took me at least three, yeah. If you don't want to count school, right, to to do acting, I started four years ago, um, almost. So, never underestimate how much time it's going to take. But if it's the right thing, you're not going to care, yeah. And if it's the wrong thing, you'll figure out eventually because you just won't want to do it, yeah. You know, I guys like Gary Vee will tell you that, you know, all these really, really talented, successful entrepreneurs. They'll kind of say the same thing. It's like, figure out what you want to do and then just start doing it. Don't wait for it to be perfect because it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. If I had waited, if I had done a ton of research on a stand-up comedy, I never would have done it. Yeah. Because it would have sucked so much if I learned how bad bombing felt. <laughs> I never would have done it. Yeah. You know, If I knew how many auditions of mine got rejected, I never would have gotten into acting. You know what I mean? If I knew how many times I would have, got, I would have gotten rejected uh, to try to get into Wall Street, I never would have done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you focus on that, you'll never do that. What you got to focus on is what is my goal? What do I want to do? What do I like doing? You know, what really motivates me? Because that's, it's going to take you. What I, what I also, I used to mentor kids, you know, on Wall Street. And they used to have people hit me up on LinkedIn all the time. And I would always talk to them because people help me. And what I would say was just make sure this is what you really want to do. Because a lot of people get the idea that like, it's the road to riches, and it can be. Yeah. But if it's not what you want to do, you won't get there because it just it just takes so much to yeah. make it to that point, and not even just to get in there, but to to succeed because you're competing against incredibly smart, talented, driven people.
0: Yeah. So you know. It's not enough just to get in, and you know you have to yeah, you have to then then you have to grind, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it and that's that's the that's the biggest thing, and it applies. Luckily, it applies to a lot of other things too. But just make sure it's what you really want before you go into it. Don't let yourself get talked into it because your friends are doing it, or your family wants you to do it, or because you know it seems cool, or most of you know your finance buddies are doing it, or whatever. And so make sure it's what you want. I mean, you can you can be a finance major and go off and do something else. You know, if you totally. if you really want. Um, you know, whatever, make, make sure what you're doing is what you really want to do, because it's hard to be successful if, if it's not.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the other thing I'd say is the sooner you can figure that out, what you like, the easier life your life will be because you will be doing it. The hard part is actually, but I don't blame kids, even, even coming out of college that don't know that yet. I think it's really hard. Like yeah. if you haven't worked or done, I mean, internships, one thing, but like if you haven't really worked full time. And tasted that like (laughs) those all-nighters are like okay wait is it you know the existential crisis comes like in that third all-nighter in a row you know that that 40th hour that you haven't gone home (laughs) and you start thinking yeah
1: you'd rather have a crisis in your you know in your like late teens and 20s than you would in your 30s and
0: 40s yeah exactly for
1: sure but yeah you're right I mean I personally think the idea of a gap year is really good for Mm -hmm. people um
0: yeah that'd be awesome and I would yeah, I think you're, you're probably more mature too by the time you-, you Totally. Out.
1: I, if I had stayed in college, I, I would have, you know, all the way through like undergrad, I would have wasted my time and I would have wasted a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, so you don't, not everyone has to do that or has to like whatever, but I would say if you don't have the experience to relate your education to, it's going to be less valuable for you. And, you know, I think the educational model is starting to realize that. I think people are starting to come around to this idea that, like, just funneling people into a four-year college because they graduated high school is not always the right decision for a lot of people. And a lot of people are walking away from, from school with a lot of debt and not that many more answers. Yeah. Um, you know, so just find, you know, figure out what you want to do and then do that. Because that's what everyone who's successful does in any field, whether it's profit, nonprofit, you know, arts, industry, um, government, you know, they've all they've all done that. You know, that's probably what you did, too, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll we'll end it there because I think uh, I've already kept some (laughs) taking you away for over an hour. But um, Dix, I really appreciate you you joining. I tell tell people where they can find you or where. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And I'll link it Um, in the show
0: notes, too. I'll link I'll link thanks man yeah i appreciate that
1: um you can follow me at uh, dick jokes comedy um on instagram youtube and twitter um i have all my my stand-up uh, clips are on youtube and then i do all my like sketch and comedy and, and uh and little acting clips on uh on youtube and instagram so that's the best place and all my a lot of my jokes end up on twitter too so that's the best place find me i love uh, connecting with people and um you know, staying staying a part of the community because uh, it's a great you know it's a great world and and you know the world that you've built at WSO is is fantastic and um, you know you've got an incredible wealth of of talent there so you know if people want to hit me up um, you know I'm happy to help them if they're trying to get into Wall Street if they're trying to get into Hollywood you know whatever love. let let me know I'm available. love
0: it love it awesome thanks so much Dick great man. All right. Ciao.
1: Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Happy holidays.
0: And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.